0: This, 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 this is K- you. K-U-T. K-U-T, Austin. Stop. I used to get mad.
1: Hello and welcome to Higher Ed, KUT's podcast focusing on issues of higher education, lifelong learning, and exercising the brain. I'm Jennifer Staten with KUT 90.5, Austin's NPR station, talking as always with Dr. Ed Berger, president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. Hello, Ed. Hello, Jennifer.
0: And uh, and how are you on this beautiful day?
1: Well, I am doing pretty well. Um, I don't want to alarm you, but our topic Uh-oh. today may be the source of a bit of stress.
0: Well, this is not good. Or <laughs>
1: I'm just trying I can't to give even you ma- I can't even imagine.
0: In my well, job, there's no stress. I can't well, imagine sure. a subject that would be
1: well, and actually, stress-provoking. I think part of our discussion can be about how we could sort of mitigate that a little bit. But I actually want to talk about... The experience of the test.
0: Oh, yeah. yes, the test. That's assessment. often the
1: reaction, assessment that people have.
0: Test culture is is here at southwestern uh-huh. and is ubiquitous well, everywhere. It,
1: I mean, it starts. It starts so early. Mm. It's hard to.
0: And we teach to the test, right?
1: Teach to the test, and that that testing culture starts so early. Or really, as you said, assessment culture. I mean, you know. If you're in kindergarten or first grade, it may not necessarily be a, you know, a sit down and fill in the bubble or answer. The- oh, but it is
0: a lot of it is. I mm-hmm. mean, the star tests are sure. very much like that. Sure.
1: Well, you know, one thing about testing that that I have to say, if, if there's any kind of assessment in my life now or any kind of test, I still struggle with sort of separating the result from me as a person. So, you know, the, you know, if I got a like 95 on a test, I felt good. I'm like, oh, I did a good job. I got a good grade. I'm smart, whatever, whatever. Versus, you know, a 55 or 65. Oh, whoops. I'm, I'm not smart. I don't know what I'm doing, you know, to sort of, um, separate
0: decouple the, right. the any, self from any, the, the performance. Exactly.
1: Any particular hard performance. Hard to do. Very hard to do. How do, you, how do you do it or how do you suggest students separate those?
0: It's very hard. And I, and I think the truth is that when you get a 95, when you earn a 95 on on a test, uh, that is cause for celebration because it doesn't mean that you're a, a good person, but it means that that you have made meaning of some body of material and that's worth celebrating. And if you got a 55 on a test, uh, that's an opportunity for you to learn from you know failure, effective failure, which is do not leave that stuff. Don't say, well, that's it. at least it's behind me. I've done it. No, it's not behind you. It's going to follow you the rest of your life. You will never understand that stuff unless you do something about it. And so it's an invitation to, to take action. And so if you think that way, then you don't get a big head when things go well, and you don't get completely demoralized when things go poorly, but you're constantly saying, okay, how can I strive higher? You know, and tests can be fun in and of themselves. They can. Uh, yeah. I
1: say that as a question. They yeah. can? So,
0: do you want to hear a fun, quick little story? Yes. When I was a graduate student, this is a hundred years ago, and I was a TA, teacher assistant for a business calculus class where the whole goal of the class, these are students that want to be business undergraduate majors, and the whole point of this class, which is sad, is just to to be a filter. So basically, so kids will fail, so they will not be business majors. Oh, like majors. a weed out. It's like a, a weed out, out which out is so class. sad, but that yeah. was just what the class was. It you know, It's the institution. So, so students wouldn't really be thinking in this business calculus class. They would just be mindlessly mimicking and, and getting through it, right, instead of actually yeah. trying to have an experience. So I was asked to create the exam for one of the midterms. And I thought, wouldn't it be fun if every answer turned out to be a half? So imagine a calculus exam, and those those of our listeners who know calculus know there's like maximum and minimum questions, Uh and then taking derivatives and finding slopes of tangents and all these things. And I worked out every single answer to be a half, including the actual um, real life question, Uh which was how to maximize profit if you're making pizza. And you had all these constraints about how much the pizza dough costs and how much Uh it costs to heat and thickness. And then the question was, what's the optimal thickness? And the answer was? Half. That's right, half an inch. So – it was very fun. And then, of course, I'm proctoring the exam. And these are students who, again, you know, just because of the curriculum, never had to think. And it was interesting to watch them. There were about 200 kids in the class, 250. And, you know, the first answers they're answering. But toward the middle, they start looking up and People looking at each other quizzically. Little, yeah. and you know, This can't be right. <laughs> and then, they, of course, they didn't then see the pattern and think that that must be it. Because, of course, I could be evil at the end and the last answer be seven. And so they had to, with earnest, go through and they were very very unhappy with me, but I thought it was fun. And at the end of the day, isn't that all that matters? Well, I bet they were easy to grade. <laughs> they were very well, of course, but you give partial credit. Well, so yes, yeah, but you could tell if word. the answer was correct or not. Yes. That was easy. Isn't that funny? That, <laughs> that was mean.
1: How, what made you think to do that? Was it just to sort of snap them out yeah. of the the culture of the class? Yeah,
0: I would hold these recitation ses- sessions where my goal was to really have them make meaning of these ideas of calculus. And they just were not interested in that. And it was very, so it was frustrating for me as a instructor. And I thought, well, why don't we just see if I can get their attention? And boy, did I get I, their attention. I think attention. you did. And it was great.
1: Well, you know, my sister taught middle school early in her career. And I recall um, she would put extra credit questions about her cat to see mm. if her students were listening when she would discuss her cat in class.
0: That's interesting. I uh-huh. like that.
1: Oh, and the students, they loved it. Either At- they loved it or... Got frustrated because I didn't know the answer, but...
0: Actually, that reminds me of something else, which this wasn't a test, but it was an assignment where I gave students an advanced math class. I said, here are six challenges. Do any five you want. Oh. So it wasn't a test, but it was uh-huh. like an extended uh, homework assignment. It was like some a, choice. Two weeks. Right, exactly. One of the questions was an open question in mathematics that no one knew how to do. Oh. But I didn't tell them that. I just oh. said, do any five you want of the six, but one of them was one that no one knows the answer to, right? And what was interesting was some people tried, because it sounded like a doable question. Sure. And so they let one of the other questions go and they worked on that one. And even though none of them solved it, because it remains actually to this day an open question, I uh, did uh, read them. And if it took me a long time to find the mistake, they got a lot of partial credit because it meant they were being creative. That was, a, that was a mean thing too, right? To give a question that no one knows the answer to as one of the possible questions you can answer.
1: But it's interesting because there were sort of two ways you could go with that. One way would be, as you did, to not disclose that. The other would be to sort of indicate that, you know, this is a question that is challenging mathematicians and there's debate over blah, 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 and sort of, but it's cool to not frame it. That's right. And see, you know. M- maybe a student sees it a new way. And, and also probably more people chose it. You know, if you let, let it be known that this is a big challenge sort of in the no world of math, it, right. I bet no, they would have not. sort of that's, stayed back from That's it. exactly um, why
0: I just put it on as one of the things, do any five you want, and one of them is unknown by every single living mathematician.
1: Well, you know, when you talk about tests, the first story that comes to mind for me is is a <laughs> sort of scary standardized test story. Oh, but, it, no. but it ultimately, I think, is, is kind of an interesting way to sort of pop the bubble about all of that stuff. So I remember taking the SAT in high school, which is one of the tests that some colleges want to see your score on when you're applying to college. And, you know, it was the Saturday morning. This was before the internet. So you had to go with your number two pencils right. and you sat at a desk for right. hours and hours, yep. filling in bubbles. Cetera, I was there. It was a Saturday morning. I don't remember what month, October, November, the test proctor or person, you know, gathers them all up and literally drops them in the mail to Princeton, New Jersey That's or right. wherever yeah. they go. Well, Somewhere between the testing site in Princeton, New Jersey, those tests decided they would take a little vacation. So they never actually got to the testing place and nobody really knows where along the way they went astray. Mm -hmm. So we all had to take it again, I believe, at no charge. And oh, with a different proctor, I'm not a huge it was, charge.
0: It was six hours of your life. Well, um, yes, it's very expensive,
1: expensive as far as time and, pain. Um, and nobody was quite sure how that happened. But, you know, it was actually uh, thinking back on it. Those tests sort of just absorb kind of every cell of your thinking and and mm-hmm. emotions for that period of time. And I thought you know, (laughs) that test just disappeared. (laughs) And what what did we invest time and stress wise and look what happened. So it was actually an interesting kind of balance lesson, Mm -hmm. because in the moment, those tests can feel like the world hinges on this when actually, as we've discussed before, and just reality will tell you, it doesn't really in that particular situation that the answers didn't even
0: get there. Didn't even get to, there. Right. Wow. Right.
1: Now, speaking of answers, Ed, we've got a puzzler to answer from the last episode.
0: All right. Let me remind. About my beloved trains. That's right. You. you we learned that. That was the biggest surprise <laughs> from the previous episode is that you really do fancy trains. I do. So uh, here's a puzzler in honor of Jennifer, uh, which involves trains. So you have a passenger train that leaves Georgetown, Texas, heading north to Dallas, Texas, traveling at a speed of 80 kilometers per hour. 30 minutes later, a freight train leaves Dallas, heading south on those same tracks, toward Georgetown, traveling at the speed of 60 kilometers per hour. The question is, which train will be further from Georgetown when they meet?
1: Further from Georgetown when they meet? Yes. Hearing you say it again, now I'm having some new thoughts. So further distance from Georgetown. So let me just do some of my thinking out loud.
0: I wish you would. To get
1: to, get to so we can speed this along. What's right? the rush? Where, right. where are you going? So first of all, I started doing, oh, 60 kilometers an hour, 80 really? kilometers, half an hour, blah, blah, blah. And I was treating it like a math question. Okay. But then I asked you, does it matter if it's a passenger train or a freight train? And you said, yes.
0: Yeah, that was just a joke. Oh uh, <laughs> Well, of so, course it doesn't.
1: Well, my brilliant deduction, though, is that a passenger train will stop. And a freight train won't presumably, except at crossings, because a passenger train has to let off passengers.
0: Yes, but the speed you're given—the average speed—is yes. eighty okay. kilometers. See, I
1: thought you were totally trying to. No, no, this oh. is—that's a mean. That'd be a mean no, test question. I, well, see, I wouldn't think of it would have been mean. I would just think of it as clever
0: and challenging. But then, how would you do it? I mean, then you well, can't I don't answer know. It. there's an answer to this one. This, <laughs> <don't>, my puzzles <laughs> tend to have answers. Unlike that yes. thing I gave my students, where one right. of them is <laughs> open, <laughs> I would there's never give an you that.
1: So, is this a straight-up math question?
0: I don't know the, what that means.
1: You know, is it a 60? Yes, you do. You're grinning. <laughs> You're grinning. All right. So walk us through how we get to the solution of this. Thing.
0: All right. So let's visualize it. Let's this. visualize it. All right. So the train is leaving yep. Georgetown, Texas. Yep. It's heading north on these tracks, heading to Dallas. Yep. It's going 80 kilometers, kilometers per, hour. per hour. Then 30 minutes into this, up there in Dallas, a freight a train I mean, leaves Dallas heading on the same tracks to Georgetown, traveling at a speed of sixty kilometers per hour. So a slower speed. Correct. They will eventually meet. Do sure. we agree on that? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Yep. So now imagine they meet somewhere. Yep. Okay. Which train is further from Georgetown?
1: For some reason I keep I wanna figure out which one is closer because that seems All right. easier. Which
0: one is closer to Georgetown? The If you have that answer, then the opposite will it, be the-
1: right. Right, so which one is closer to Georgetown? Freight train is closer to Georgetown.
0: I say in a quiet little voice. The freight <laughs> now, train listen. Is if, if they if they meet, that means that they are at the same place. Right. So they're the same distance from Georgetown. Oh, got it. Or if you really wanted to be, you know, picky, yes. Technically, the freight train is further away because, because the Georgetown's the, up, so the freight train, train. is a hair further. Because but if you're thinking of them as being coincident, then in fact they're the same distance away. This was just a silly riddle because they are sharing a track. Yeah, I mean, when they meet, they're at the same spot. But, so uh-huh. if you look at the front of their trains, they're yes. the same distance away from Georgetown, and also mathematically, they're the same distance away from Dallas. Right. Because they meet that. anyway that's very fun, so I it was like not it was not a usual arithmetic type well, question. A I, train leaves Chicago at noon. There's what? never been a train <laughs> leaving Chicago at noon ever. Those are all made up questions, <laughs> and this one it was a silly one too.
1: Oh, I liked it though. I liked all of the um red herring paths that there were a I lot of red herrings. There. there were a lot of red and herrings, I gave you a lot of those too which is very good. I mean you know it's it's a a test of a certain kind, and I mean obviously one thing that I think. I don't know is it dangerous to say this that I think one thing if I could go back and think back over sort of my career of tests I would love to be able to maybe take my um stress and anxiety about them and dial it down a notch or two or 10 yeah please. and I'm I'm imagining that a lot of people would agree with that and so to have a puzzler like this and sort of laugh about it is actually kind of
0: helpful well, and the idea of making meaning, of course, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of times I get young students who are using my videos and they'll send me a tweet saying, we have a algebra two exam coming up. Wish us luck. And I'll always respond and say, you know, thinking about you and wishing you the best, but it's not luck. It's going to be, if you make meaning and understand deeply, you're going to do great in not only on this test, but in life. And that's what we should remember about these tests.
1: Well, Ed, thank you for helping us make meaning and understand deeply and keep our brain sharp. Dr. Ed Berger is president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. You can find out more at southwestern.edu. And you can keep your brain busy by keeping up with the news and other episodes of Higher Ed at KUT.org. You can also find Higher Ed on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jennifer Staten, KUT News.